Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota. Julie Weisenhorn's back with us. Julie, Happy New Year again to you. Good to hear your voice. Hey, Happy New Year, Denny. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Um, Good. Not as achy as I thought I would be from <laughs> from shoveling and uh, hauling around the snowblower and all that stuff. But uh, Boy, no kidding. how about you guys? We're doing okay. We're losing. Uh, we cannot find any more places to put our snow, though. We're kind of at a limit. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, huge mountains of them uh, around. Yes. You got to be careful pulling out of your driveway, uh, you know, to make sure you're exactly. you're clear to go. Peek uh, the corner. I wanted to ask you before we even get to my question. Let's invite our listeners to join in here on our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, yeah, we'll take lawn questions today, right, Julie? Sure, why, why not? I uh, won't see it for a while, but uh, <laughs> and that's just fine. Uh, call us or text us, uh, call Julie or text her. There's one number that will get you either, and that's 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. You can call Julie or text Julie your uh, smart garden question. Sure. Uh, what about all this heavy stuff? I look at uh, the trees, the various, well, all, uh, all the trees, evergreens and or, or what other deciduous ones as well, they're pretty heavy, heavily laden. And I was okay. mentioning early this morning, do I get out there gently with a tennis racket or something and <laughs> knock them down? What, what would, or just leave them alone? What would you recommend? Well, I think that's a good use for a tennis racket. I'm not a fan, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that is actually, that's a great point. And especially our arborvitaes are really dense evergreens that have pretty flexible branches. But they are weighted down, and so the easiest thing to do is go out with some kind of a long. I like to use like one a long push broom because it's got a nice flat top on it, and you can just lift it gently and just gently push on those evergreens so that the snow falls off, and that relieves the weight of the plant. Now, if you found that some of your branches have broken, you may want to go ahead and if they're really severely broken off, they're obviously not going to grow back. Uh, you're going to want to go ahead and prune those off. And you can wait to prune them. You don't have to do that now. It can be kind of difficult to get to them. But you can wait to prune them until later this winter when the snow's maybe not so deep. Um, some branches, if they're m very minor breaks, they may actually uh, repair themselves. And so in that case, you would want to somehow either using some soft rope or something is to tie those branches back together and just to hold them uh, back up and see if they actually will callus over and grow back. Not likely, but it's always worth a try. 
I was thinking, too, with the amount of snow we got for those that were uh, lucky enough, fortunate enough to yeah. uh, get their dormant seating done. Boy, they are in luck. <laughs> We've got some great snow cover. Uh, yeah. That's that's a, that's a real good stuff for our uh, lawns and, and shrubs. Right. Yeah, no worry that anybody's going to be feeding on that uh, seed anytime soon, any of the critters. So. And the below zero weather we've had, we had some, some uh, brutal stuff, somewhat brutal stuff. Mm-hmm. We are going to be one below overnight tonight, but that, uh, looking at the forecast, looks like the only below zero weather. You get one shot at it now, and then everything else will be uh, well above zero. So that's, yeah, that's good def- news there. Definitely get outside and, you know, bundle up. Uh, we're Minnesotans. We're tough people. Get outside and enjoy this weather. Um, I am grateful for this snow. I know it's a lot of snow, and my poor husband, Carl, has been plowing snow and plowing snow and shoveling, but um, I'm grateful for it because we have been sorely uh, in a drought for the, almost the whole summer, and so this is much-needed moisture and also much-needed insulation for the roots of our plants. This snow is acting as an insulating cover to prevent really bad, uh, really deep frost from getting into the ground and damaging our tree and plant roots. That was a question I had uh, a couple nights ago in thinking and uh, seeing all the snow and wondering what uh, what the statistics might be right now on the drought condition. I mean, this has got to help out, but has it removed that uh, with the amount of, I mean, we have well above the right. average snow right. right now, so maybe has it dissipated that drought, I guess is the I, question. I think at this point it has not because we yeah. obviously haven't. I mean, we, we had a, some rain before we had, we had a little bit of rainy time uh, before the snow came, but now we have this additional moisture that's going to hopefully slowly melt in the spring and then uh, seep into our soils and replenish some of our aquifers. Yeah, this is great. Again, 651-461-9226. Any kind of a lawn or garden question you may have this morning for uh, Julie Weisenhorn. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on, too, a little bit later on at the uh, uh, Arboretum. Always fun this time of year. Talk about that. Uh, This listener says this, Julie, just planted my old amaryllis bulbs. Did I wait too long? (laughs) Well, the only reason, the only waiting is going to be till they start to actually put out leaves and bloom. So if you were trying to time them for Valentine's Day, probably might be, well, I don't know. You've got a month and a half. So they might actually produce for Valentine's Day uh, or sooner than that. So you did not wait too long. What can, just depending on when you want them to bloom. I mean, outside of shoveling, what can we do or <laughs> dreaming about our uh, our spring and summers, you know, tomato plants, and et cetera? Yeah. What, what, can we, what can we be doing right now? Looking at seed catalogs or yeah, what? Yes, seed catalogs. Um, you can certainly be enjoying houseplants too. Uh, I spend an awful lot of time monkeying with my houseplants in the winter because that's all I get. So, uh, but yes, looking at seed catalogs, thinking about what you want to plant. I like to also at this time reflect on my landscape and think like, hmm, you know, what didn't work? Uh, What do I really at this time reflect on my landscape and think like, hmm, you know, what didn't work? Uh, What do I really, what's really not my favorite plant? Maybe it's not performing well. Maybe it's overgrown. Um, Thinking about pruning, which will come up uh, later this winter, around uh, end of February, early March, we'll start pruning things like apple trees and hydrangeas and and some of the other plants that are still dormant. And also thinking about what you maybe want to see 
You know, what are some of the plants that you saw last year and you thought, boy, that'd be great to grow in my garden this year? And thinking about where you might shop for those, I would encourage local shopping. Visit the Arboretum because we have a flower show coming up. And the the theme this year is nature. It opens, I think, last day of January and goes through February. And so this is a, a real opportunity to see some other Maybe some of the tropicals, maybe you want to add some of those to your uh, landscape as well, and can containers, for example. And as, as far as the Arboretum goes, I mean, there's, there's uh, outdoor activities, but there's indoor right. too. If you, if you want yes. to hang indoors, there are things to do there as well. Absolutely. There's the conservatory, which is a wonderful place to visit on a cold winter day. There's a lot of online classes, too, as well as in-person classes. So you should visit the uh, events and classes webpage. I am a big proponent of what's called the ProHort class. This is the, the curriculum that Master Gardeners go through without the volunteer obligation. So we have this year, Denny, listen to this, we have 500 new Master Gardener interns, so these are volunteers for extension. We have 200 people who are taking the ProHort class. So it is a four-fee class. It's $600 per person. It's the same curriculum. It's a self-paced course. It's online. And one of the cool things that we do for both Master Gardeners and the ProHort students is we have question and answer sessions, not unlike a two-hour WCCO Smart Garden uh, uh, session, but it's specifically about topics that people are studying that week. So I'm going to be in four of these question and answer sessions for the students, and it's up to them. They can ask us anything they want that pertains to that topic of the night. So I'll kick it off with our um, education manager, Christy Marsden, and our adult education manager, Laura Vogel. They're our hosts and I'll kick it off with botany and general horticulture the first night. So the three of us will be fielding questions of, of these students. And then I'll be doing indoor plants and propagation and then trees and shrubs with Dr. Brandon Miller and herbaceous plants with Dr. Brandon Miller as well. So, yeah, so it's super fun. You get kind of a, a vibe going with these students. You know, they're super excited. They want to share their knowledge. They want to ask you questions. It's a lot of fun. So that's the ProHort class. And that is something that people can still sign up for and, uh, and see. Um, I think it's still open anyway. But, uh, yeah. So it's how, do we, how do we find out more? A lot of people are going to be wondering about that. That sounds like a fun program. How, yeah. how do we find out more about it? It is. It is on the Arboretum website under events and classes. Excellent. I think it's still open. I'm sorry, I just plugged it, and I'm just thinking maybe it's closed now. We might have, uh, it might be closed. But at any rate, take a look. But if it's closed this time, yeah. maybe next time around. There's you know? And there's also tons of other great classes. I know my friend Jim Calkins will be teaching pruning classes, mm-hmm. uh, on hands-on pruning classes for trees and shrubs, and uh, also propagation classes. He teaches our landscape design workshop at the Arboretum. So lots of great classes from many, many talented people. Sounds great. Great information. Hang on, Julie. We'll uh, take a bit of a break. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering those lawn and garden questions. We're going to get back to those either by phone or by text. If you want to call and chat with Julie, love to hear your voice. Otherwise, just send a text if that's easier. 651-461-9226. One above zero is our current Twin City temperature reading, heading for one below overnight, but then uh, that's the only 
uh, minus temperature we'll be seeing here for uh, quite some time, it looks like. Again, a plus one here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Had a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here 52 weeks a year, thanks to good folks like Julie Weisenhart from the U of M doing all the heavy lifting, and I don't mean just snow, <laughs> answering your Alana Garden questions as as we do every Saturday. It's a fun show, and a lot of folks uh, go back and listen to the uh, to the uh, show they may yeah. have missed, Julie. Tons of folks. That's helpful. Uh, yeah, really big time hearing the podcast. Uh, I tell you what, if you do have, and we do have a bunch of text messages, if you'd like to call Julie with your Alana Garden question, or if you'd rather send her a text, 651-461-9226. We'll get you either the call or the text. Speaking of which, yeah, we do have suddenly a bunch. I looked up Excellent. and uh, uh, let's see. Oh, this uh, this texter says uh, he or she uses a leaf blower to clean off the arborvitaes and use, causing no damage. That's a good there idea. There you go. As long as it's not too powerful, I guess. Yeah, you, um, have, to get, you have to get out there when the snow's pretty soft and fluffy. You know, if it hardens That's up, true, it's yeah, because if it's heavy and it's wet, hard it's hard to blow off. Absolutely. Uh, this texture says this, my dwarf mugle pine is completely buried under a foot of snow. Should I carefully dig it out and expose it to sunlight, do you think? Uh, actually, I think it's pretty good buried. Um, hmm. Sometimes our pines and our, our evergreens will get sun scald, especially depending on the side of the building that they're exposed to, or they might get some winter wind desiccation. So actually the snow protects it. So I think I would probably just leave it. Also, so, I think sometimes we can do more damage, like trying to dig out plants like that, rather than just leave them be at that point. So I, I think I'd leave it alone for now. Okay. This texture is kind of split up into a bunch of different uh, <laughs> paragraphs. Let me see if I can piece them together. Uh, this uh, listener says, I have two large Norfolk pines that I've grown from one foot size. Mm-hmm. One is uh, growing white fuzz mold on mm. top of the soil. What to do? These plants are too big for me to replant. They are many years old, a big part of my living room. Wow. So that is just some kind of a fungus or a mold that's growing on that soil. So I, what I would do is scrape it off. That's the first thing. And then just kind of monitor how you're watering the plant. I mean, the, that's not going to grow on there necessarily if, it's, if the soil is drier. So you could just be watering it too much. That would be my first guess. And um, as far as repotting them, it... Yeah, I mean, big plants are tough to repot. You at least need a team of people to help. But it is something that, you know, it makes a big mess, and uh, you got to get people together, maybe cook a pot of chili and open some beer and, and repot your Norfolk pines one day. But it does benefit the plant, and some of that soil gets really old, and here you are, it, it, it may be molding. I'm not sure what additives or fertilizers you're using, too. That could also be lending it, uh, lending to the problem. But it is good to repot the plants if possible. And uh, and then also I would just, again, scrape off that white mold and just monitor your watering. Water less and make sure that you allow at least the surface, top couple of inches to dry out before you water again. And good drainage also is important. You know, Julie, what I uh, just came to mind that uh, normally around this time of year, we get tons of questions about pruning trees, different sorts sure. of trees. I'm wondering if the amount of snow that we've since received 
has has kind of quieted those questions down because I don't really don't see any as I far as I can't get uh, to my trees right now. So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, yeah. we'll uh, I'm sure we will. We, I think we may have a couple, but uh, let's do this. I know I'm getting a little bit of a signal, and we want to look at that forecast to see what that uh, is going to be bringing us here this uh, rest of the weekend and this coming week. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to hit one below overnight, but that's the only uh, sub-zero temp. I can see, but we'll get you details coming along in uh, just a moment. We have about another half hour of our Smart Garden show to go. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, by all means, call it in or text it in, 651-461-9226. Back with more here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering those Smart Garden questions. Your lawn and garden questions at 651-461-9226. And as usual, Julie, I'll tell you what, after we pick up on a couple of texts, let's talk a little bit about indoor plants. Sounds good. During this one above Saturday. <laughs> uh, we have this texture says a relatively young tree on the boulevard in Minneapolis its trunk is pretty well covered with plowed and shoveled snow. Is that okay, or should we try to clear the snow away from it? Uh, actually, that's okay. Um, young trees in the winter can be subject to um, sun scald, which actually heats up the cells in the bark, on just under the bark, and can and then the so the sun comes out, it's warm, heats up the south southwest side of the tree bark. And then the sun quickly goes behind a building. You know, it drops quickly in the winter. We don't have that much sunshine. Or or clouds cover it. And all of a sudden, the, those cells will get cold. And they'll freeze and they'll crack. And cause a crack in the, call a frost crack in the tree. So actually that snow is, we normally would recommend protecting trunks of young trees with a white uh, tree guard material. But actually, the snow is doing it for you. So I would not try to dig it out. I would just be grateful for that uh, for that snow to cover it. If it does melt at some point and you're concerned about it, you can buy a tree guard and just pop it onto the tree pretty easily if the snow is uh, has melted away. And that's something that uh, people should be doing in the fall is protecting those young trees, especially trees that have thin bark like apple trees, crab apples, uh, some of the younger trees, young maples. Uh, that's a good practice. That white guard reflects the sunlight and prevents those cells from heating up in the winter sunlight. You know, you and I, Julie, were talking about the, that that subject and thinking about the depth of snow and should we, if we haven't protected tall enough right now, is there still yeah. an opportunity to do that? And should we do that? Sure. So we recommend, uh, and this is from animal browsing, like rabbits, for yeah. example, is to put a hardware cloth. This is this quarter-inch mesh of stiff mesh. Uh, to put a quarter, to put a hardware cloth ring around our tree trunks to protect them from animal feeding, particularly again these younger, uh, more tender barked trees. And we normally would say put four feet of fencing because rabbits can sit on top of snow, but now we have about four feet of snow in some places. So you may want to go out, if you've done this, you may want to go out and actually put another ring on top of that if possible. 
And if you have a tree that's branching out and it's flexible enough, you might want to just tie the branches together a little bit just to make it narrower and then put another piece of fencing. Otherwise, the rabbits could just sit on top of that snow and go ahead and feed on the lower branches of your tree. Yeah. So just check it out. It may not work in every condition, but it's something to consider. Very good. Good morning. This texture says, Julie, back to trees. We have uh, an 80-year-old white pine in Ooh. front. A number of big limbs broke and fell. Do we need to have the remaining part cut back to the trunk? That comes from Gloria in Bloomington. It kind of de- Normally, I would say yes. It depends on how bad the breakage is. Uh, if 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 they've if you've got a big stump sticking out from the trunk, yes, you'll want to take that back. And you can wait to do that in the spring. You don't need to do that now. Uh, that's a shame because an 80-year-old white pine is really a valuable tree. But, yes, you would want to trim those back, um, not entirely to the trunk. We have some good information on how to prune trees on our extension site. So take a look at the images there um, and prune it back so that you're not cutting flush to the trunk. You want to actually leave a little bit. There's something called a collar that is at the point where the trunk and and the branch connect. And that's a growing point. That's what actually helps the tree to heal over any cuts. You don't want to cut into that collar. So look at our website at to be honest, if you really get stuck and you're concerned about, geez, I'm not sure I'm doing this right, contact a certified arborist. And we also have a web page on how to hire a tree care professional. And I would say that on a big tree like that, that's not a bad investment. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Julie. We have, uh, haven't mentioned the University of Minnesota website. Great resource. Uh, tell us information about that, if you would. So the link to that is extension.umn.edu. And it has great information on everything from houseplants to tree care, including soil information, vegetables, when you're getting ready to choose seeds for your garden or to learn about, geez, can I grow, how can I grow better basil? How can I grow, I've never grown a parsnip. Maybe I could do that. How about rhubarb? All of those vegetables are in A to Z vegetables, the section there. You can also find out about different flowers. We have our annual trial results from our uh, Morris Display Garden and our different trial sites around the state. So you can find out about some of the newer seeds. And then also find out some of the guidelines to doing things. We have great turf information, landscaping information. Uh, it's flowers for pollinators, you name it. I mean, we try to cover all the gamut of Minnesota gardening for you. But take a look at that. Again, it's extension.umn.edu. And that tree information that I just mentioned would be under our trees and shrubs section. Great stuff in there. I, I, I've used it Thank to you. learn uh, more about tomatoes, of all things. A lot on tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> and you crop. personally, the, as far as I love that section on uh, how to care for your lawn. Yes. And John Trappy, who's been on the show, and he'll be on this spring talking about lawns, too. Uh, he is actually reviewing all of those pages and thinking about, he and I are kind of saying, what's missing? You know, what are the gaps? And so we try to fill that in. And to be honest, this show really helps us a lot. We understand some of the questions people have a little bit better by the kinds of questions that we get mm. on the show. So thank so you to WCCO for that. That's kind of a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, we and I had mentioned uh, we should talk a little bit about indoor plants. Here's a text, Julie. It says, my Christ, uh, Christmas cactus seems to be doing well. It's getting indirect sun. Would it be doing better with direct sun? That comes from somebody you might know. Chris from Weekend says hi. Oh, hey, Chris. How you doing? Okay. Good to hear from you. little inside information there. But, <laughs> but what about uh, Chris's uh, question about the Christmas cactus lighting? So Christmas cactus are plants that, they're called short day plants, and they will respond to the uh, shorter daylight hours. That's why we see them blooming around Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, when our daylight hours are shortening. So they respond to that. They set bud and bloom. They also respond to cooler temperatures. So we like to keep them in indirect light. That's a great, uh, great location. And keep them away from things like heat vents and radiators. So, Chris, to answer your question, it sounds like if the plant is doing well, and uh, I would leave it where it is. Um, sometimes it's best to just, you know, take advantage of, of the good conditions you have. We also have a great website, uh, a webpage called Holiday Cacti. And that includes all sorts of information about Christmas cactus as well as some of the other species as well. Like our, There's actually a Thanksgiving cactus that's a different species and an Easter cactus, which is a completely different species. So uh, take a look at that webpage. It's again on our extension site. But yeah, sounds like you're doing everything right. The trick with uh, Christmas cactus or holiday cacti is not to overwater them and to be sure that you have good drainage. So if your if your Christmas cactus is in another pot or in that decorative foil that it comes in sometimes, take it out of that, set the pot in the sink, water it, let it drain well, and then put it back into that decorative container. Okay. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering your smart garden questions this morning, either by phone or text, as usual, 651-461-9226. Here's another one, Julie. Uh, good morning. It says, what do I do with my amaryllis now that it's been in a dark area for three months? Time to bring it out into the sunlight. So if it's potted up, great. Just bring the pot out and start watering it. It likes a sunny location. So a sunny window is perfect. Uh, if it is not potted, then pot it up. And, and we have good uh, images on our amaryllis page about how deep to pot it. You don't really want to bury the whole bulb. Uh, you want to leave about half of it exposed or a third of it exposed, something like that. And they like to be potted up and a little bit pot-bound. So if you haven't repotted it for a while, don't be too concerned about that. Just be sure that you're allowing it to dry out before you re rewater it, before you water it again. These are bulbs, and if they are in constantly wet conditions, they will start to rot, and you don't want that, of course, so... Okay. Um, I know we have to break here momentarily. Here's another text, though. I love composting, but start putting things in the garage at this time of year. Uh, what options do I have to uh, get going on composting? So composting, you can still throw your uh, kitchen scraps out into a composting bin. It's not going to compost during the winter, of course. It's too cold. But it is a way to uh, get those organics out of our waste system. And so you could continue to do that. And then in the spring, uh, when it warms up and, and you can turn the pile, then start turning it to add air to it. If it's dry, you can add a little water. Um, keeping it in the garage, you might, it, you know, the other option is worm composting, which you can purchase a worm bin or make a worm bin. And 
you can also do that. And the worms will actually eat that organic matter and produce uh, vermicompost, which can be beneficial for potted plants. So that's another option, too, for composting. And some cities have organic waste pickup, so you can contract with them. There are also uh, sites where you can bring your organic waste to, and uh, it kind of like consolidates people's uh, organic stuff without adding cost to their um, pickup, their garbage pickup. But you want to keep that organics out of the garbage stream for sure. Very good. Hang on, Julie. We'll take this uh, quick break. Be right back on the other side. Just a reminder, coming along after the 9 o'clock news break, we will be answering your home improvement questions. Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction will be doing that very thing for you. So get those questions in mind. Keep those in mind in the 9 o'clock hour. Right now in the Twin Cities, we're at 1 above, heading for thing for you. So get those questions in mind. Keep those in mind in the 9 o'clock hour. Right now in the Twin Cities, we're at 1 above, heading for 17 degrees. Here on News Talk A3O, this is WCCO. We are back with our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering those very questions today uh, by phone or by text. Julie, I tell you what, uh, before we run out of time, which always seems to, to, to go by so quickly. It goes fast. Uh, Matt in Forest Lake, I think, is on the phone right. to ask you a question. Thank you, Matt. What is your question, Matt, for uh, for Julie? Hi, Julie. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I sure. have a question about ground cover. We okay. built a cabin in Wisconsin, and the we have about two inches of topsoil, and then the rest is like a sugar sand. And we have to figure out how it's, it's a very messy thing to track sand everywhere. We would like <laughs> to put down some type of a clover, but is there anything that we can grow right in the sand, or do we need to lay down black dirt first? It's a pretty big area we're trying to repopulate right. with something besides sand. So I think, Matt, uh, the, uh, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think like John Trappy now, our turf educator. So uh, you can do clover, but clover really needs a fairly moist condition, pretty, you know, not such a, it's not such a sandy plant soil. Um, you could use fine fescues, and I think that's probably what John would recommend is to overseed with fine fescues. And you can do that as soon as the soil, in fact, you can do that uh as soon as there's no snow on your uh, on your uh, property. So even if the soil is still a little bit cold, you can put that down. Um, he calls it, uh, what's it frost seeding, and he does that in his own yard. So he does about 25% of uh, dormant seeding, and then he does about 75% of his seed as frost seeding. So this is a technique that uh, and kind of takes advantage of the, damp soil, the cool, damp soil in the spring. And then as soon as the temperatures are warm enough, those grass seedlings will start to start to germinate. So that would be a recommendation. You can do hydro seeding too if you need to put some kind of coverage over that. That would be something you'd probably hire someone to do. Or you can also buy these pre-mixed uh, seed mixtures that have a carrier, and that carrier is kind of a pulpy stuff green sometimes or gray so you can do that as well and put that down you moisten it and then you put it down and it's a carrier for the seed it helps to eliminate uh, birds feeding on it as much or blowing away 
So those are a couple options. But I think John would recommend the fine fescue. That's that's a really drought tolerant plant. It also is uh, grows well in in sun to you know part almost full shade. Uh, it is a uh, a really low nutrient requirement, which makes it really nice for cabins because you don't have to worry too much about fertilizing. And especially with the sandy soil, it, it does fairly well in that. You may need to add more topsoil than just two inches. So you might want to bring in some of that before you do your seeding. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at another text, uh, one of many. This uh, listener has a peace lily. They say that I repotted into a bigger pot about two months ago. The tips of the leaves started to turn brown and die three weeks ago and aren't stopping. What should I do? The plant is roughly 20 years old, and I'd like to save it if I can, for sure. Sure. Yeah, obviously you want to save that. That's a that's a nice plant. Um, peace lilies have – the, the texture doesn't mention how she or he waters that plant, but peace lilies are sensitive to fluoride in our water. So that tip burn is what you see. So you may have, uh, you may want to try changing your water source. You can either use um, distilled water or you can also use reverse osmosis water. That's the filtered water we buy to drink in the grocery store. You can refill up the gallon containers. I would try that first. Also be sure that your pot is draining well. You've repotted it. Um, and I know that sometimes my experience with peace lilies is sometimes they are a little finicky after they've been repotted. So they go under some transplant stress. So that might be part of it as well. But make sure that whatever container you put it into, that it's draining well. And I would change the type of water. I would switch, uh, unless you're using well water, then it's a kind of another uh, issue. But um, if you're using tap water, it could be the fluoride in the water. Right. This listener, Julie, says, my garden has cedar trees directly next to it. Could that be why I am unable to grow tomatoes, peppers, kale, or pretty much anything? Uh, probably too shady, and the cedar trees could be competing for resources with uh, from your vegetable plants. So it could be that. Um, also, large trees tend to take up, I mean, they're they're taking up a majority of the water in the top few inches of soil, and that could be the case, too. So your plants are, are probably suffering from competition with the cedar trees, and I would find a new way to grow those vegetables if possible. This listener, let's see, has a uh, three-year-old fireside apple tree, uh, maybe more than one, which produces fruits the last two years. The tree is growing straight up with one long eight-foot-plus with very little branching out. Should I cut the single long leader to force branching out? If so, uh, yes, where should I prune it back to? Boy, um, I wish Annie Claude were on this call. Um, How about an arborist call? Huh? Uh, you could do an arborist call, but I would I would start by looking at Annie. Annie is our fruit educator, ah. and I would take a look at. There's a series of apple tree pruning videos that she did with staff from the arboretum, and they are on our fruit webpage. So it's extension.umn.edu. Then go to fruit and go to apples, and there's that series. There's three videos about pruning your apple tree. So uh, take a look at those first, and if that does not help, then uh, if it doesn't answer your question, then maybe get back on the show next week and uh, ask. I think Mary's on next week and see what she says. Otherwise, you can also use our Ask Extension tool and ask Master Gardeners. We have Master Gardeners who are on 
uh, on call, answering those questions via email. And you can send some, maybe send a picture. That is always really helpful, too. A couple of minutes to go on the show, Julie. Let's grab another text if we can. How do I get my Hoya to bloom, texter says. Hoyas are um, plants that are very hands-off plants. They don't really require a lot of fertilizer. Um, It could be that they are, they they also like to be pot-bound. And I find that mine will bloom when it's pot-bound. So in other words, uh, it takes quite a while. Also, if you've been pruning off like the long tendrils at all, or not tendrils, but the long stems, that could also be affecting uh, budding as well. Maybe change the light a little bit. Uh, I like Hoyas that have nice dark leaves, so I keep mine kind of in a indirect light, but you might want to move it to a lighter location, and that might help as well. Another texter says, uh, can you water plants with coffee water? Coffee water. Uh, yeah, I guess probably the leftover coffee they're referring to. I don't know. I guess you could. I mean, it's mostly water. Um, some people think, oh, it's got caffeine. That'll really boost my plant. <laughs> but it's really not. Um, I guess you could do that. Um, so a lot of offices, I know offices that I've worked in, they, people dump their coffee into the poor Diffenbachia. What happens is usually the plants get overwatered and they start to go downhill from there. <laughs> so you can use coffee grounds as a, you know, a comp- you can compost the coffee grounds and then that adds a little bit of lightness to some of your compost. But I, I don't think it would hurt anything, but you just don't want to overwater the plant. You don't want to be dumping your coffee every day into your plant. Well, Julie, give us uh, 30 seconds of, uh, <laughs> of that website and get to the Arboretum. Uh, how do we do both? Sure. So it's extension.umn.edu. We do have the Ask Extension tool. So if you did not get your question answered or you think of something this week, be sure to use that. And then visit the Arboretum at arb.umn.edu. You need a reservation, even members. Uh, It's $15 if you're not a member. And then kids under 12 are free. Lots to do, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, great indoor uh, activities, um, classes, events. Yeah, check it out. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. And if you want to get there, just, you know, make make your reservations online. Very easy. It's very efficient. And uh, it's a fun to do any time of year. And again, on the website again, extension.umn.edu. Julie, always a pleasure. Say hi to Carl, and we'll uh, talk to you probably in a couple of weeks or so. Thanks, Denny. All right. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering those smart garden questions. Now, coming along next hour, as we mentioned, Andy Lindis will be uh, returning for a brand new year answering those home improvement questions. So if you have any project in mind or maybe you're in the middle of one and want some help, you call or text next hour here on 830-WCCO. Fog and mist reported here in the Twin Cities. Temperature reading one degree above zero. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.